Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. The Onyx Hunt app is the premium app available for hunters by hunters to be your mapping solutions right at your fingertips. You can utilize the maps online from your computer, desktop, laptop, and also on your phone. Everything syncs together and uh, is really nice for scouting whether you're in the field or at home in the office. And so one of the things that I like to do with Onyx, and you'll hear a little bit of a uh, so Nathan, who I'm interviewing in this podcast here, brings up is talking about finding east facing points and east to west uh, ridges and meaning that, you know, on those east facing sides, a lot of times the deer are using that for bedding with primarily westerly winds. And so by taking, uh, you know, looking at the Onyx maps ahead of time on the hunt app, identifying some of the eastern facing slopes marking them and then going and get boots on the ground to be able to confirm some of your suspicions is always a, a great tool to be able to use so if you want to head over to onyxmaps.com use the coupon code emw that'll save yourself 20 percent off of the hunt app and the university of elk hunting so Corey jacobson and elk 101 have put together the most comprehensive elk hunting learning course available it has a whole bunch of information from the beginning from right now when you're you know looking at scouting using onyx and you know looking at go hunt to figure out where you're going to be going with the draw you know with the draws coming out now and, and applying for states or whether you're going over the counter the university of elk hunting teaches you every aspect of that whether you're a beginner or you're uh, been an elk hunter for many years there's a lot to learn from within the online course and uh, if you want to check that out you can use the coupon code east meets west and that'll save yourself 20 percent off of the university of elk hunting online course available at elk101.com and so tethered the tethered phantom is the new saddle that Tethered released here uh, just at the ATA show. And I have not had a chance to use it in the woods yet, but I had a chance to play around with the actual Phantom at the, the ATA show and sit in it and and also use the Mantis saddle all of last year. And this thing is awesome. All day comfort and what, what they're doing with that is, you know, they... They added the Comfort Channels, which is a patent-pending solution that provides the all-day comfort because you can have high, medium, and low support settings, and you're able to you know, adjust those with one hand, and it's, it's very nice to be able to do that, as well as the Utila Bridge, which basically this is a fully adjustable, on-demand bridge that you can adjust depending on the angle of the tree and really be able to furthermore hunt any tree, hunt in a location, you're not having to worry about the tree you're getting in. So those are some of the key features of the new Phantom Saddle that's available now for purchase at tetherednation.com. So go over there and uh, check that out. And last but not least, Exodus Trail Cameras. 
So Exodus right now is running a sale where if you if you go over on their website, the Lift 2 cameras that um, you can get at a great discount. And what they're doing with those is you can get $50 off the Lift 2 cameras if you're using the code SPRING20. And that's only for the first 100 orders, which this started last week. So as of the update I got today, they are low on stock, but they still have some available. Um, so you might want to you know check that out. Uh, the Lift 2 cameras, uh, I've been using those now for a couple years. Five-year warranty that they come with it, which is one of the biggest things with Exodus is their, their five-year warranty. And in addition to that, they have a five-year theft and damage protection. So if the camera gets stolen or ruined by a bear like mine did this year, you get 50% off the replacement. And also, when you call them or have any issues, their customer service is, is second to none. As you could probably see a trend in you know a lot of these companies that I work with or the products that I buy from them are usually companies that have a good customer service background that goes a long ways. Um, so that's that's a, a big you know value proposition there. And so one, and just to give you a little more detail on this this Lift Two camera, so it has really fast trigger speed and with unmatched video quality. So I started running the video setting on scrapes this year and really learned a lot by being able to do that. And with their little two inch uh, viewing screen, you're able to set it up easily and view the photos right on the field on the fly. You don't need to even add, you know, um, you don't need to carry an additional camera or something else in there to be able to check that. So if you have uh, you know any questions about this special offer or see what they got left, you know feel free to shoot them a message on Instagram or Facebook, or just head over to their website exodusoutdoorgear.com and use the code Spring Twenty to save fifty dollars on the Lift Two cameras. All right, so as far as news this week, uh, the new hats released. I talked about that last week where they were going to be released on the website. And uh, I got six new styles out there that um, are available for purchase. And actually was boxing up a whole bunch more tonight to ship out. Had a really good response to them. I'm, I'm pumped how these hats turned out. And um, if you want to head over to eastmeetswesthunt.com and click on the store, you can check those out. And I still have some Onyx memberships left. I'm giving out uh, premium memberships, which is a $30 value with any orders over $40. And, uh, yeah, I'm running low on supply there, but I still have a few left if you want to head over there and uh, check that out. And in addition to that, so on this episode, I'm going to be interviewing Nathan Killen. And Nathan sent me an article he wrote um, for the East Meets West blog here, the journal. And this complements this podcast really well and has some drawings, some maps, and some diagrams that help. You know, when you're talking about, you know, when you're talking about like setup specifically, which we talk a lot about in this episode, it's really difficult to be able to, you know, visualize exactly what something looks like. And so that I think this article is a really good complement to that. So as you're listening, you can go back and view it and kind of get an idea of how he's setting up on these areas and what he's talking about with these ridges. Nathan does an excellent job of portraying it, and this just really helps 
be able to, um, I guess, expand that a little bit more. So that'll be available now over on the website. So you can go to eastmeetswesthunt.com slash journal and uh, check out that article. And then lastly, I just wanted to say, uh, give a reminder out, New Mexico's big game draw. If you're trying to apply for any tags in New Mexico, you want a chance to chase some trophy bulls, you need to get your you need to apply right now. March 18th is, is the deadline here, so tomorrow. Um, make sure you you know you apply for that. The one thing about New Mexico is it it's a great state because there's no point system. So you basically have just as much, you know, luck or I guess chances as the next person of doing that. I mean, there's, there's some different things that are with a tag allotment for residents and, you know, the guided draw and stuff that I'm not going to get into right here, but basically you have the same chances as other people with it. And the downfall of it is you have to buy a $65 hunting license if you're non-resident, even though that, uh, even if you don't draw, it's non-refundable plus a $13 species application fee. So, you know, that's kind of a, um, a little bit of a downfall there. But you could look at it as a positive too because it helps increase your odds because not everybody wants to pay that. So, like I said, uh, you know, check that out. Um, New Mexico's DNR website and apply for that draw if you want to hunt trophy bulls. But um, anyways, just been out hitting the mountains pretty hard here scouting picking up a few sheds along the way and and just loving this time of year uh to to get out in the woods with with everything going on in the the world right now with you know the the coronavirus and covid19 and and everything else it's it's nice to still be able to you know get away from that and um you know be out in the woods where really i don't i don't worry about that at all so um which is obviously not a reality for our everyday lives. But anyways, I hope everyone uh, enjoyed their weekend and, you know, continue to have some luck either scouting boots on the ground for some mountain bucks or maybe e-scouting for some Western hunts, whatever that might be. You know, good luck with that. And um, if you like the podcast, don't forget to go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it. Give a rating and review. That really helps us out a lot. Um, I, I greatly would appreciate that. All right. Uh, let's get into this episode here with Nathan Killen. All right. We're back for another episode of the East meets West hunt podcast. And, uh, tonight I'm joined on the line by Nathan Killen out of Virginia. What's going on, man? Uh, just hanging out, buddy. Yeah. It's uh in it's the end of February here as we're recording this and and uh I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to getting some spring scouting in. Yeah, if this uh snow will finally leave us alone. Um it's I enjoy uh, being out in the mountains when there's, you know, snow on the ground, but uh, I like to shed hunt a lot, so uh obviously they're harder to find when you've got snow on the ground, so Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know how that is. And, and right before we started talking here, uh, we were you and I were just, or before we started recording, excuse me, we were talking, and and I didn't realize that you know you got as much snow as you did, you know, being you know down in southern Virginia there. But you were explaining, 
you know, the elevation that, that you're at and everything is, it makes it a little bit different than, than other areas. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and actually we don't get as much snow now as uh, we have in uh, recent years. Um, you know, uh, there's been times that I can remember, you know, I don't know, it's probably been 15 years ago or so, but uh, we've had, you know, as much as two and three feet. So, um, but now that that's pretty unusual, you know, most of the time on average, we'll have, you know, a snowfall that's going to be between two to eight, 10, 12 inches. But, uh, um, yeah, yeah it's, we don't get a whole lot of snow like you would out west or you would up north, but we definitely do have uh, a bit of snow. So, yeah. So, uh, Nathan, I, I've been, uh, wanting to have you come on here for a while. You and I have been talking back and forth and, and, you know, you hunt mountain bucks in, you know, Virginia and have been really successful at it and in the past and everything. And, and, you know, just you and I talking back and forth and, and I think you have a, you know, a unique way of going about it. So I'd, I'd like to hear a little bit of a, a background on, on you and, you know, kind of, you know, your hunting style and, you know, the types of areas that you're, you know, you're hunting in Virginia there. Well, um, of course, uh, I've hunted, you know, uh, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, and uh, just a little bit in Kentucky. But, you know, 90% of my hunting is done here in the Appalachian Mountains of uh, Southwest Virginia. Um, <clears throat> I started uh, hunting several years ago. Matter of fact, this past season was my 38th season. So I've been at it quite a while and uh, and mostly been a bow hunter all my life. Um, I've, you know, shot traditional equipment on and off some since the mid nineties and, uh, actually the past few years, uh, probably five or six years, that's all I've hunted with, but, uh, I actually bought another compound this year. So I'm going to hunt with it a little bit and I've gotten into, uh, hunting back country style hunting here in Virginia too. Um, we've got some pretty remote areas and, uh, so we're able to take advantage of that. But, uh, and I've also gotten into hunting with the firearms a little bit too, which is actually what I killed my bucks with this year, um, mostly because of the, uh, uh, the deer population around here. Um, it's, it's not now the way that it was back in say the eighties and nineties. And, um, uh, so opportunity just isn't there like it used to be. Mm-hmm. And with, um, so do you mean like that? So the, the deer densities are a lot lower than, than they were at that time frame. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Th- things have just changed, you know, uh, between, uh, deer regulations, um, you know, back, uh, in the eighties and nineties, uh, timber harvest, uh, you know, uh, was real prevalent, you know, uh, they, they was clear cuts everywhere. And, you know, I've, I've heard even on your podcast, you know, how important, uh, that is to, uh, deer. And, uh, for the past, probably, I don't know, 15, 20 years that that's just hasn't been going on anymore. And, uh, and a lot of bad years with, uh, no acorn mast and, uh, it's, it's just really taking its toll on the, uh, deer in the mountains and stuff. And, and people, actually have almost stopped hunting the mountains. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, most of your hunters around here now, you know, focus more on, uh, um, uh, farmland and private leases and stuff like that. So you, uh, as a matter of fact, I'd say in the past four or five seasons hunting here in Virginia, 
I can count on one hand the number of hunters that I've run into in the woods. Wow. With, um, you know, with, with that and, uh, say the, you know, not logging and, you know, some, you know, bad years with mass crop and everything, it still seems like you're, you know, you're killing some really good deer. And, um, in some of the areas that, that, that we have in Pennsylvania where they're not doing logging and you have bad acorn crop years and stuff and not as much undergrowth, it seems like that the antlers really take, that takes a toll on them as far as they're not really hitting potential. They're just not, you know, having the, the food, I guess, for it, but it still seems like for you that you're taking some pretty good bucks. <laughs> Well, yeah, it, it's just age, you know, uh, that's allowing them to, um, you know, grow the size antlers that they are, you know, and plus the low deer densities, you know, there's not as much uh, competition for the food and stuff. But uh, uh, actually, as far as age of the bucks, uh, the past five bucks that I've killed have been a minimum of uh, five and a half. And uh, one of the ones last year, Gosh, I, I don't know how old that deer was, but uh, I would imagine he's seven, eight, nine plus. You know, he's he was just a a, a horse of a deer. As a matter of fact, he body wise, uh, he was probably the biggest buck that I've killed uh, here in Virginia. Wow, really? That's that's a that's a, some definitely getting some age on those deer. And then, do you think? I mean, a lot of it has to do with the the hunting pressure. Was that, I mean, even when you had higher deer numbers, were you seeing deer of that age or is this somewhat new? No, uh, you know, back, uh, in the eighties and nineties, you know, uh, I would imagine, you know, the bucks four years and older, you know, uh, were very rare. Um, there just wasn't that many of them being killed. And that's because the, you know, we had such high hunting pressure, you know, most people were killing, you know, year and a half, two and a half year old bucks. And now, you know, uh, uh, that you just don't have the hunter numbers on uh, national forest. And these bucks are just able to, you know, reach a, the ripe old age that, you know, is required to grow the, the larger antlers. And, um, but yeah, uh, that's what I think that it is, because it definitely isn't the nutrition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that that makes sense. And and uh, so describe a little bit, kind of like the way the the mountains that you're hunting there are, like you know some of the elevation and some of the the way the terrain lays out. Because I mean, the, we you know a lot of us you know, listening and everything are in the Appalachian Range, but there's so much uh, different terrain and just you know again you and i were talking about that before this but kind of explain that a little bit if you would well of course you know i'm in the appalachian mountains and uh our elevation varies anywhere from you know down around 2,000 feet up to almost 6,000 in the highest uh, uh peaks but on average you know uh, i hunt in the say the 2,500 uh 3,500 even 4,000 you know foot uh, range there but uh you know we we have some really rugged uh, uh mountains uh, and uh, you know most of it is really thick with mountain laurel um rhododendron um in the higher elevations you have some uh, a lot of uh, uh spruce pine and and hemlock and you know just stuff like that um it, it's it's beautiful country um and in the foothills of it you know you have some farmland just depends on depend on where you're at you know mm -hmm. and um 
which makes them, you know, pretty good hunting, especially when, you know, you have national forest that comes down in behind those farms. And uh, if you're able, you know, a lot of it has, you know, easy access into those spots, but then they they are areas that uh, are pretty hard to get into um, behind some of those farms. So, you know, that's one of the area type areas that I key in on. But uh, it's, you know, just rolling ridges, uh, a lot of hardwoods, um, just, you know, really pretty country to hunt. Yeah. When I was, um, when I was down, you know, towards your way, but in uh, over in North Carolina there, I was, I couldn't believe the, the rhododendron and how thick that stuff is. You know, I mean, we have a lot of mountain laurel in certain areas, um, in PA, but like not as much of the rhododendron. And that was, I got pretty nasty in places. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it can definitely make it a nightmare, uh, trying to get into and out of certain areas, um, especially if you're unfamiliar with an area or uh, come off of a wrong ridge and uh, trying to make your way back in the dark. And, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of times I'll cut uh, a trail through those uh, spots and stuff, make it easier about getting in and out. But, yeah, they can uh, they can be like a jungle, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can get – I'm sure you can get lost and tangled up in there pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, especially with the tree stand on your back or – trying to get a deer out yeah um you were you were mentioning um a little bit about you know your 2019 season and how you know you killed a couple bucks with a gun do you want to talk a little bit about those those hunts and just kind of give a brief um you know synopsis of how that went yeah um of course the first buck um i killed was with black powder rifle it was actually a buck that i had uh, a little bit of previous history from uh in a couple of years leading up to last year. And, uh, but, uh, I'm, I was just hunting on the back side of a main ridge, uh, actually parked my truck at around 2000 feet and, uh, well, 2,500 and, and the top of that ridge is around right at 4,000. So I was, I had crossed the top of that ridge and was hunting the back side of it. But, uh, actually what I was hunting is, uh, at the end of that ridge is uh, east facing slope. And, uh, but uh, that morning, they were calling for a south wind, but it was uh, about mid-morning. It was supposed to change over to a north wind, and uh, so I timed it to where I would get up on top uh, just around daylight, and um, once the winds changed, then I made my way on down where I was wanting to go, and actually, which was just right on the edge of that uh, east-facing slope, and... Um, uh, just as I was getting to where I was wanting to go, then I, uh, the buck actually met me there at the same time. But um, then I ended up killing him. And then the uh, second buck was um, an, actually a new area that I had never hunted before. I had been scouting it some this past summer. Uh, we do a lot of trail riding with horses and stuff. And there's several equestrian trails up there. So, uh I had been running some trail cameras and would check the trail cameras, you know, uh, from the horses and stuff. They were easy places I could get to uh, with the horse. And, uh, but I, I got a few bucks on camera and, um, anyway, uh, started putting things together and, uh, me and one of my buddies, uh, backpacked back in there, uh, for three days. And I think it was on the second day, uh, that morning I killed him. So, yeah, geez. I mean, those are, 
you know, I'll put a you know, link here to your, your Instagram, but, uh, you have, yeah, there were two really impressive deer. <laughs> I mean, two really impressive mountain bucks that, that, uh, you got this year and, and you have a, you know, a long list of them from the, from the past, but just, it was, uh, like I said, just pretty amazing that you're doing that. And, and I didn't realize that you were backpacking into some of these areas too. That's, that's pretty neat. Yeah, I, I just, I absolutely love, um, the backpacking, you know, into an area that experience, it just adds so much to the hunt. And, um, I don't know, it's, it's just something that I've uh, kind of feel like that I've missed out on, you know, the Western uh, experience cause I, I've never hunted out West. So, um, uh, trying to do a little bit of that type of hunting here. So, yeah, no, I, I, I like that. And, and what's, what's like funny with me is I, I never, I never did any backpack hunting here until after I went out West and did it. And then I was like, why can't I just do that? You know, back here in Pennsylvania and I've, I've done it now. I, I do it in Turkey season a lot. I've done it for whitetails and it's, it's a lot of fun doing it that way. And, uh, I'm planning on doing some more of that this upcoming year. I backpacked into a new area in rifle season and, and, uh, we were only there for, really one day of hunting because not being able to, you know, hunt Sundays here, but, uh, it was, it was a pretty neat experience and there wasn't a sign of a person anywhere back, back in there, which was, was great. Yeah. I I just love that experience. Um, it's, it's something that, uh, there's just something about being back in the mountains, um, like that in remote areas and um i i tell you i have just eat sleep and breathe whitetails for so long um it, well it's just the way that i want to hunt you know mm-hmm. yeah that's 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 for sure and so nathan uh we we're you know you had sent over an article to me um that i i'm gonna plan on it'll be up on the website when this this uh podcast releases but you know, you titled it mountain bucks, a mini guide to consistent success. And it was filled with a lot of stuff that, um, you know, isn't really talked about a lot. And, you know, one of the, one of the big reasons I wanted to have you on here, cause it was just different, you know, material. And one of the, the things, you know, before we get into this in, in detail, um, you, you were texting me and you were mentioning about, you know, hunting bucks versus deer. And can you, kind of explain what you mean by that statement and you know let's you know let's get into a little bit of a discussion on you know your kind of your hunting style and and you know what you're looking for well uh, you know bucks they're you know they're still deer of course mm-hmm. but they just behave um, quite differently than uh, other deer you know especially you know, once bucks get, you know, four and a half years old and older, you know, a lot of that has to do with the personality. Some bucks are just more social than other bucks. And, um, but, uh, you know, does the, <clears throat> the way that I like to look at it, you know, their mamas, they, they have their little ones with them. So, you know, taking care of them actually puts them out there, um, in daylight hours and, and, and stuff like that a whole lot more than, uh, say, a buck would, you know, trying to take care of himself. You know, he, he has nobody but himself to take care of. So, um, and and those, you know, of course, they have the little ones that they have to look out for. So 
I believe that just makes them more vulnerable, more so than, you know, a buck would be. And, and bucks, they just, you know, they use the terrain, uh, different than what does do, um, that uh, they bed differently than those do. That that they're all about their self, and um, and you know most of the time they're just hermits. And of course that you know comes back to you know personality and stuff. But um, and I think that's what gets a lot of bucks killed. You know some bucks that are so uh, more social than others. Uh, you know at, even at birth. You know um, the more social they are. Uh, the more active they're going to be during daylight hours. So, you know, of course, that, that makes them more vulnerable and stuff. And and Yeah, and so, um, you know, with that, you know, being said, you know, some of the ones that are more social and the ones that, you know, aren't, that probably end up living to an older age and everything, you know, what are you kind of finding of, like, you know, the types of areas they're living, you know, bedding and where, you know, are you able to kind of find them in those daylight hours? Well, you know, I feel like does, you know, uh, they hang a lot closer to food uh, than bucks do. So uh, they're going to naturally, naturally be closer to uh, uh, areas that show, you know, heavier deer sun. Uh, bucks, I feel like they, you know, bed away from food uh, a whole lot more. And, um, and I, I think that they just like their, um, uh, seclusion a lot more, you know, they, they really don't want to be bothered by other deer. And, um, so, you, you know, the, they're going to choose more, I guess, areas that are more remote, uh, away from, you know, say, um, food and stuff like that, you know, uh, um, just places that they can get away from other deer and, and, and not really be bothered, you know, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I, I mean, guess what? Do those areas have anything that you find is like anything in common? Um, you know, you said a little bit further away from food and, and cover, but you know, is there any anything else in terrain that you notice that they they like as well? Well, for for sure, uh, you know, it seems like they they definitely favor steeper faces. Uh, you know, that's uh, if possible, have you know cover on them. Um, and I've actually noticed uh, that eastern facing slopes, um, bucks really like those because, you know, obviously you have the uh, prevailing wind uh, that, uh, you know, most of our wind comes from a westerly direction. And, uh, of course, you know, thermals, you know, both of those are going to work together. And um, um, and them being on a steep hill fa- or face of a eastern facing slope you know um i feel like that once danger does present itself you know it's really easy for him to get away from it so and i actually like i think you know whenever you're trying to hunt him along those places that you know he feels comfortable about moving and but if you set up right the the wind will actually be in his favor, but it can actually be in yours too, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because you know, if you're expect, okay, try to explain it like this: if you have a a ridge running east to west, and the buck is bedding on the eastern face, well, if you hunt kind of like the southeast side of that or corner of that, 
you know, most of the time your wind is going to be blowing, you know, out into nothing. And if you set up to where, you know, he's kind of uphill from you, you know, it just presents a perfect situation, actually. Yeah. So, okay. So that they would say his, you know, exit trail from the, the bed or entrance trail would technically be above you. And, but the way the prevailing winds coming across, it's in his favor because he's, you know, able to smell as he's, you know, leaving or yeah, let's say leaving the bed or whatever. And, but also, but you, you're just, just off enough that, you know, it's kind of his blind spot almost. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, approach it from uh, the southeast direction, you know, you can get in undetected, you know, especially from the bottom. And um, to, to me, it's just a perfect scenario. But now, believe it or not, eastern facing slopes are not that common. That There's not as many of them out there as, you know, you would think that they are. You can look at a topo map and uh, you'll have plenty of ridges that, you know, secondary ridges that, run off of a main ridge that will have an eastern slope to it. But uh, I'm talking about, you know, the eastern slope on the end of an east-west uh, running ridge. Okay. And, and you know, that is yeah. that is true that that is tough to find. I, kn- I know with one of the areas I was hunting this, this past year, you know, the um, – I'm trying to think how they, these the ridges ran. But anyways, it was set up for more of like a easterly – you know, southeasterly wind, which is not as common. And, but that's the way the whole, the whole ridge ran and even like the fingers that were coming off it and the bucks were there, but I was having such a hard time figuring, figuring it out where they were, they weren't as consistent. It seemed like with the bedding, cause the wind was never really in a good spot for them to be in some of those traditional places. Right. And, and to be honest with you, as much as we would like for, uh, bucks to be, uh, you know, consistently in certain spots. <laughs> I felt that they just aren't yeah. uh, not in these big woods settings. You know, they're they seem really nomadic at times. But um, you know, I, I do believe that there are certain types of places that they do prefer, and 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 I really believe that if you can find an eastern facing slope that has uh, mountain laurel on it. Um, and, and if you can find a setup along, you know, where that, uh, Eastern facing slope transitions into the, uh, South face slope or even the North face slope, you know, it just depends on, uh, the direction of the wind as to which, you know, would be better to set up on, but, you know, generally, you know, uh, most bucks like to travel, you know, down under the top. And, um, and I like to look for, you know, maybe a little bench or a point or any, any kind of terrain feature along that eastern facing slope to set up on. Um, I, I just think that it, you know, creates a, a good scenario for both of you. Okay. So you're, you're not, you're not setting up more on the top. You're getting, you want to get down on a, on a bench or, um, kind of off to the side a little bit there. Exactly. Yeah, I've I've felt that uh, hunting the tops of ridges for you know older age class bucks, uh, they they just don't like to travel up there. Not during the daylight hours. You know, they're they're most always on one side or the other. Of, you know, down below the top. And uh, 
you know, like here uh, where I hunt, you know, on uh, on generally on both sides of the top, just down under the top, uh, there'll be a strip of some kind of cover, whether it's mountain laurel or um, uh, rhododendron. You know, generally it's rhododendron on the north side and mountain laurel on the south side. But, you know, y- you can catch them cruising through that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, all right, so you're finding, you know, some of the, the bedding to be, you know, on these eastern facing slopes and, you know, and you were saying off the off the top a little bit. I mean, does do they with there's much elevation changes you have? Can they and again, I know they can bed really anywhere, but do you find them more at, uh, you know, even some of the lower elevations or are you you know focusing up towards the top just from um, yeah, explain that a little bit, I guess. <laughs> Well, uh, of course, I, I I do feel like that bucks, whenever they can, would rather bed higher uh, and and feed lower. But you know, a lot of it has to do with uh, you know um, where the mass crop is. You know, some years, you know, the the mass crop could be widespread, and uh, some years it may be at certain elevations. So uh, I do feel like that um, where he's bedding would greatly depend on you know the elevation that you would find the acorns and stuff at so um but you know uh, some of these secondary ridges that run off the um main ridge uh well really any secondary ridge um should have cover on it i think that creates uh, great uh, uh bedding spots for bucks you know any place that gives them um in my opinion, you know, cover, uh, an elevation advantage and, you know, uh, thermals or prevailing wind, you know, whichever, you know, it's going to create that. But that, to be honest with you, that there's thousands of those type of places in, you know, these areas that I'm hunting. And I'm sure it is the same way, you know, in Pennsylvania, you know, so. Yeah, that's what, that's what's so tough. I mean, there's, you know, you know, we can, there's, things there's trends you can look for and things and sometimes it's like it's still like finding a needle in a haystack it seems like <laughs> yeah, i agree yeah. <laughs> but you know uh I really you know once you start to, uh you know narrowing down the sign and uh you know really paying attention to you know buck sign in general uh you, you know you'll start seeing where these bucks are you know preferring to be and because, uh, you know, up here or down here in Virginia, you know, which is going to be the same where you're at, you're still, even though uh, the whatever's on this ridge is the same as the next ridge is the same as the next ridge and so on, you know, you're still going to have certain places that those bucks are just going to prefer to be. But, it, you know, um, it, it might, t- might take several days of hunting that spot before you even see him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the, okay, so that's uh, one of the the points that that you had mentioned uh, about in in this this article that you wrote was uh, about hunting, you know, the same area, um, the same spot, you know, more than once. Where um, you know sometimes you hear, you know, if you hunt an area and it's burnout and everything, and and you know, I'm I'm interested to hear, you know, your perspective on this is is I've went back and forth on different, I've done different things. So I used to, I'd find a good spot that, 
that you know be during the rut and i would sit there for five six days because deer densities are so low i'm not bumping them you know going in and out and you know just was careful about my you know my entrance and my exit but i knew if i sat in some of these travel spots that if i sat there long enough i was going to have an opportunity and and you know normally i did and then i don't know if it came down to you know just wanting to either impatience or wanting to try, you know, different things and try different areas. And I started being, you know, hunting different places all the time and, you know, had a little bit of luck with that, but I'm kind of started going back to, you know, spending at least a few days, um, you know, in an area. And I want to hear your, you know, your thoughts on that. Well, I, I definitely think that it's important to give a spot a chance here in the mountains because, you know, the deer density is, it, you know, a lot lower here than, say, you know, broken uh, farm type country, you know. So it, it may take a few days for uh, the buck that you're hunting, you know, to make it back through because he's just using, using such a, a large area. But um, really, I think if you have uh, good access going into a spot and you stay clean, and you're getting in and out without spooking deer, there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to hunt that spot. I mean, if if you're hunting that spot and deer are not picking you up as they're passing by you and going, uh, you know, doing their normal thing, then uh, why would deer, you know, pick you up afterward, after you're gone? So if you're able to get in and out clean and deer aren't picking you up while you're there, in my opinion, if you're in a good spot, you, you need well. You, you just don't need to be playing hopscotch because you, you're just you're bouncing around way too much, you know. So mm-hmm. I will have a, a handful of spots that um, I feel like are are you know high percentage spots, and uh, and I try to stick with them, you know. Now that doesn't mean that you know while I'm hunting that spot, if I'm if I see some uh, deer activity, you know, going on. You know, in another location, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, sign that they're leaving or firsthand, you know, sightings, you know, I would definitely investigate that. And if I need to move, I will move because in my opinion, especially during, uh, uh, you know, pre-rut time, if you see one buck uh, do something, the, the next one through will most likely do the exact same thing that one done. So, you, you know, you need to capitalize on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so when you're, when you're, you know, say putting, you know, these setups and uh, your, your stand placement, how are you setting up? Are you setting up according to the, the bedding? Are you setting up in what you would consider more travel routes or like, how, how are you kind of picking and choosing some of your stand placement, which I think is, can be one of the most difficult, but probably one of the most important parts of this whole equation. Well, one thing that I don't do is hunt heavy sign. Um, I feel like that catching a buck uh, where there's a lot of sign, a lot of deer activity going on during daylight hours. Now, I'm t- I'm talking, you know, fully mature bucks. Is there's it's very low percentage unless he is actually with a doe, and um, you know, given do- uh, bucks and does, I feel like bed separately, you know just like we talked about a little bit uh, a while ago. So I start looking for areas in tangent to that, if, if that makes sense to you, you know. Um, 
and I, and I, I concentrate. Well, I, you know, most of the time, I'm closer to the uh, bedding than I am the uh, uh, the feed uh, feeding area, you know, or what have you. Or, you know, <clears throat> and a lot of times, you know, bucks they'll let's say a buck has you know a home range of a couple of square miles. You know, he he's going to have several different. Um, bedding areas within that and uh, areas that he's going to, you know, feed in, um, you know, looking for does and stuff. So, and I, you know, I think about it as point A to point B, you know, or or at one area to the next. And I just think about, you know, where where's the most likely place that that buck is going to come through from, you know, point A to point B. And, um <laughs> And you know, bucks they they just. I'm gonna give an example here. Um, I watched a buck one time. He was bedded, and uh, he got up probably 45 minutes, uh, an hour to 45 minutes uh, before dark, and and he 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 fed around just for a few minutes, and then he just stopped and stood there. And I'd say he stood there for a good 30 minutes and never moved or nothing, just listening. And it was a really quiet evening. And uh, once uh, he decided to go, he never stopped until he was completely out of sight and out of hearing range. Um, so I guess my point is is sometimes bucks, whenever they, they decide they're going somewhere, there's no rhyme nor reason to uh, to how they get there, <laughs> and uh, you may you may have witnessed uh, that before. But uh, um, anyway, you know, at times like that, or bucks, whenever they travel like that, they're they're really hard to pin down. But you know, most of the time, uh, between you know where they're bedding and feeding, you know, it, you know, there's there's some kind of um, well, it, the same thing everybody else looks for, you know, pinch points, uh, edges, you know, um, and and every si- uh, situation is different, you know. So, uh, but you know, I, I tend to stick more to toward their bedding area or where I feel like that uh, bucks would be bedding, you know, versus uh, closer to the feed and you know any kind of. Uh, um, funnel like area in between so yeah and uh, and that's the same thing that ever that's the same thing everybody looks for you know mm-hmm. but like um so when you're all right so you're looking like between the say the bedding and the feed but all right say you're you know you're assuming that you know, a buck could be bedded on this certain elevation or bench just down over the hill are you going to try to stay on that same elevation line um, just offer or how, how, how are you looking at that? If, if you're, if that's into your consideration? Well, in my experience, um, most older age class bucks, let's say you have a bench that runs around the side of a mountain and, uh, I don't know why, but I, most, my experience has been, they'll either travel below the bench or above the bench. And they hardly ever walk the actual bench unless there's really good cover there or they're hot on the dough. Um, and, and, you know, that there's probably different reasons for that. You know, one, maybe, uh, you know, <clears throat> I, I feel like that most hunters would choose to 
set up on that bench. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're used to running into, you know, other hunters there or scent uh, from other hunters that they left behind. So that's just, that's just how they, you know, avoid that. But, uh, you know, most of the time I will, I will set up either, you know, just down below the bench or just above the bench. But now if, if, if at all possible, you know, I'll set up to where I can shoot down below the bench or, and out on the bench too, you know, that way I have both of them covered. But, uh, and, and generally it's either one end or the other of it too. So, yeah. And And a lot of it just has, you know, if there's other terrain features that, you know, come in to that bench or, you know, some kind of a cover or, you know, something like that, you know, and of course, the more terrain features that you have coming together and edge type habitat, you know, we all know that bucks, you know, like to travel, you know, the edges of cover and, uh, mm-hmm. um, and they come through, you know, the, the more of that, that you have coming together in one spot, you know, I, I love spots like that. You know, it, it creates just great travel corridors for them. Yeah. And, and that's, it's, it's such a tough, you know, question for me to even ask you because, you know, I, 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 seen it too it's like every situation is different you just gotta you kind of gotta look at it you know with with your mind and try to you know make sense of the situation and i I agree, I agree with what you're saying about like you know the the bucks you know not walking on the you know the flat part of the bench there and being on those side hills which is difficult to set up on because you know say when you're down on the lower side of it you've got this you know steep drop off on that side it feels like you're 50 feet up the tree you know on one side and you're you know 15 feet up or 10 feet up on the other <laughs> you know and it can make for you know some yeah, steep it, angles and everything else yeah it, it can definitely make uh make it difficult to set up in um but uh yeah I, I, you know it it can be it's really hard especially for me to describe um I, i'm i'm more of a take you and show you kind of guy uh-huh. you know I, I have a hard time describing some of this stuff but uh but it, it's it's really odd and i've been able to do this um uh, you know since i was you know i guess in my teens but um and i've i've even been standing there with some of my buddies you know we'll be scouting or hunting or something other and i can i can just visualize how a buck is, is going to, you know, move through, uh, an area. And, um, and, and they're like, you know, I, I just don't see what you're seeing, you know, but it, <laughs> you know, I can see it and it just makes perfect sense to me. And, and the thing about it is, is I've done that time after time after time. And that's exactly, you know, what will happen. Um, I'll give you an example. I was hunting a, a, a big buck, uh, not too far from here at home. And I had, um, I had actually found him the year before when I was shed hunting and, uh, he was bringing some, a lot of tops out of the trees, you know, that he was horning and I called him twister just because he was twisting all the trees in half uh, when he would rub them. And, um, but anyway, I had set up on the buck and, and me and another of my buddies had uh, backpacked back into this area is around two and a half miles and was planning on hunting, hunting the area for three days. And uh, the first day, I never even seen a deer. The second day, I, I seen a doe, and um, and she was kind of in a hollow over to my left. And uh, she kind of took off running a little bit, 
but uh, there was I, I never did see anything, and I just felt like that uh, the the way that she ran that I felt like that, and of course this was about mid morning, and I felt like that the buck that I was hunting was probably uh, nosing around down there and and running her up the hill. And I felt like that he had went on out the ridge to where I felt like that he was bedding. And, uh, but about midday, I was sitting there in my stand and I could look across this little hollow over toward the direction that, uh, I was expecting him to come from. And I could, there's just a little trail that come around through there. And uh, I thought I need to get a little bit closer to that spot right there. So, uh, I eased down out of my tree and I walked over there and there's a, a rock I don't know, it's about the size of a 55 gallon drum barrel. And I got up on that rock looking out into that. Uh, it was kind of like a knob that was really thick with uh, rhododendron and uh, mountain laurel. And I felt like that he was bedding off into that point. But uh, anyway, whenever I was standing there, I thought, no, you need to get back up that tree. And I said, because I feel like that he's, you know, he's going to come right through here. Well, I went and got back up my tree, and I'm sitting there in about. 30 to 45 minutes uh, before dark, I looked over there, and he is standing exactly where I was at, just standing there. And um, But he ended up walking that trail, that real lightly used trail there. And uh, But unfortunately, my gun hang fired. It was a black powder rifle, and I missed him. So that wasn't a happy ending story, but... Uh, <laughs> That that's just happened so many times. I can I just visualize, you know, a, a buck coming through a, a specific spot in a, a very specific way, and and that's exactly how they do they'll come. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I you know I hear that from you, and I have a couple of other you know buddies that are that I would consider you know really good hunters and it's funny they explain it the same way and you know i've i've scouted with them and even and, you know with my dad and stuff you know they just they can <clears throat> they can see it happening you know sometimes they sometimes they can't even explain it they're just like hey, you know this is this is how it's gonna you know happen this is how it's gonna move and you know i'm, I'm sure that the experience and everything else is you know helps with all of that but it's uh it's interesting how the, the visualization like that works yeah, and and see like some of these questions that you've been asking me, and and you know uh, this I think this is the sixth or seventh podcast that I've been on, and you know most everybody asks the same type of questions, and um, but really and truly, it is very hard to give a um, an exact answer to any of these questions because there's just so many variables out there, and. Uh, and and really, until you're standing, you know, in the woods in that spot, uh, do, do you? I don't know. It's it's really hard for me to explain. But sometimes, you know, places that they don't have any kind of specific topographic feature uh, uh, to them or anything like that, but it just looks right. Yeah. And. Uh, and and whenever you find spots like that, you you know that you found something special, and and most of the time, you know it doesn't. You know, what, what, if I'm hunting a specific buck, and I have that kind of a feeling, it's generally just three or four hunts, and I've killed him. You yeah. know, um, uh, and and, and, Nathan, and, and, and oh, sorry, go ahead. 
Oh, I, I was just going to say, and it, and it's hard to put into words what you're seeing. Uh, you know, um, maybe it's a gift from God. I don't know being able to see, you know, that, but to put it into words, it, it's it's really difficult, and it, especially for me because I'm kind of a backwards type person. But uh, um, I don't know. It, it it would be easier for me to show you than to explain it to you. Yeah, and and no, and I believe me, I completely understand. You've done a, you know a great job answering the questions because they're not. And, and I know this, and anybody else that hunts, you know, mountain bucks knows there's not a, you know, a, a quick answer or, a, oh, you do this in every situation, it works. Otherwise, there'd be a lot more people being successful, <laughs> you know, if that was exactly. the, the case. There's, I, I believe me, I completely understand that. There's just like, you know, certain trends that you might, you know, look out for. Um, and that's the same thing, like, you know, when I'm, scouting online for an area before i go into a spot you know i'm marking areas that look potentially good but i don't know that until i walk in there and then there's something that there's like a little micro terrain feature you can't even see on a topo map you know or something exactly yeah it's I, i i completely agree with that and it takes in that you know there's there's no there's no cheating learning that it's experience and putting your time into, uh, you know, learning that. And usually it's by screwing it up. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. You, you know, and, and like you just said, you know, when you're scouting new areas, you know, you're looking for, you know, that there are definitely certain types of ter- terrain features that, you know, draw your eye and you're naturally going to go look at those spots. But in my experience, most of the time, the spots that you end up, you know, or myself setting up in that look really, really good show up as, as nothing at all on a uh, topo map. Uh, that's that, that bigger buck that I killed this year, uh, the spot that I picked out to kill him in, I had ever, actually, well, the way that that happened is, you know, uh, I had scouted, well, I had hung cameras without actually scouting. I picked out some spots on topo map and uh, satellite images, you know, that were close to the equestrian trails. I hung cameras. Um, I went back and checked the cameras, seen what bucks I had. And then uh, the, the next time I was in there actually was uh, the second weekend of black powder. And then I was planning on to be in there the next weekend. So actually I only had boots on the ground one day. And, uh, and of course I, I, I wasn't, you know, real thorough, but in my mind, you don't have to be really thorough, um, to kill a big deer. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is once you get, once you've done it enough, you know, you can kind of hit the high spots and know where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, I had made. Uh, a really big round in there that second Saturday of uh, black powder rifle, uh, which was the weekend after I killed that first buck. And, um, and then, you know, rifle would be coming in the following Saturday. But uh, anyway, just that from that one loop that I had made, you know, I seen a few rubs and, um, and had a good idea of what I felt like, uh, the area the buck was uh, using, and uh, 
and I was looking at it, you know, all on, I use uh, Backcountry Navigator Pro and Onyx. I switch back and forth between the two. Seem like Backcountry Navigator Pro has a little bit better uh, topo maps, but I like some of the features of Onyx a little bit better. But anyway, you know, just thinking about what I had seen, and uh, I circled this one area that I never even went into, and I felt like that's where I want to kill that deer at. And actually, there's no... Um, you could ask one of my buddies. Uh, I had circled that, and I told him, I said, I think that's where I need to be, and I hadn't been there. And as far as to- topographically, there was no feature whatsoever right there that would make you think that would be the spot. But I spent um, two days in that spot. I ended up killing him there. Huh. Oh, that's, so, yeah, that's that's interesting. And, and yeah, and, and, and the thing that you mentioned there, it's um, – going a little bit on a, a tangent but like with uh um you know as far as hitting the high levels when you're scouting and stuff and that's why like if i'm trying to like check out a bunch of areas and and you know speed scout it so to speak it's it's different than shed hunting i'd say scouting and shed hunting are different things i like both um but it depends on what i'm looking to get out of it i guess i uh, do, yes. do you kind of agree on that oh uh, absolutely yeah you know, I like to shed hunt, and uh, I, of course, I you know do most of all my uh, scouting, you know, this time of year. So uh, yeah, uh, my number one priority is you know looking at new areas, and I definitely uh, I, I scout and shed hunt, you know, together. I guess you could say, and but I, I'm sure I miss a lot of sheds because I'm looking for rubs and yeah you know spots to set up in and stuff but uh but yeah i i love them both and and both of them are very important yeah no i i I agree with that and um yeah i I definitely definitely agree with that statement it's 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 a tough thing for me because like i'm i i feel like i'd be a you know a better shed hunter when i found some of these areas that you could tell that they're feeding in a bunch and if i actually sat back and grid searched it i'll start doing it and then i'll get distracted and want to go over there and <laughs> check this out and next thing you know i'm two ridges over and <laughs> yeah, that seems well, to be the situation the way that i normally do <laughs> yeah but the way that i normally go about it is is um the only time i really grid search an area is if it's a high odd spot to find a shed other word uh, otherwise i'm hitting the high spots and um you know, going from, you know, spot to spot, you know, checking for sign and stuff. But now once I do start getting into, you know, areas that I feel like that there's probably an antler laying there, then, you know, I, I'll definitely slow down and a lot more thorough. So, And and that's one of those things that you kind of get a feeling for after a while too. Like, I think there's an antler here, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know how many times I've been in a spot and just get that feeling. I, and I know that there's one there. And if you look hard enough, sure enough, there'll be one there. So. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've uh, I've struggled more like um, so you know hunt uh, shed hunting in the the mountains versus the big woods, which I think are two separate things. I mean, there's a lot of similarities, but a lot of big differences. And I've had better luck shed hunting big woods areas than I have you know actually what I would consider mountainous you know terrain. But yeah, it seems like uh, 
you know, especially around here where the deer population is, is, you know, not that great, you know, uh, antlers can, can be far and few between, you know, I, I average, which isn't great, you know, by some standards, but I average between 15 to 25 a year. And, uh, um, and boy, I put a lot of miles in trying to find those. Yeah. Um, they're just very, very difficult just because of the nature of the terrain and, you know, how thick it is, you know, uh, some areas up here, you know, we will have a, a rhododendron or a mountain laurel thicket that's, you know, one or two square miles, you know, and and you about have to step on top of them to find them. Do you hunt in any of those areas like that are that thick or like how are, are some of your setups looking like that or are you kind of on the edge? Of oh, that? absolutely. Okay. Well, I, I hunt, of course, the edge of them. And, uh, um, you know, if there's some kind of a topographic feature back in the thick stuff, uh, I definitely love those type of spots too, you know, especially if on the, if it's on the hillside, you'll, you hardly ever catch me hunting, you know, up on top of a ridge, but most of the time, you know, if, if there's a, a thick hillside and it has any kind of topographic feature down off on that hillside, that's most of the time, that's where you'll find me set up. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And, um, and you know, you were saying sometimes like on a, going back to the stand setups, but you're talking about, say there's a, you know, a bench and sometimes you set up below and sometimes you set up on top and that's kind of coming down to again, situational and what kind of what you feel like based on the, just the area, what, where the buck's going to move. Yes, exactly. And, you know, uh, and during your scouting and stuff, you know, you'll notice that, you know, down off the ends of points, not up on top now, but down off the end of it, uh, you know, you'll see a good rub line that comes around through there or down off the edge of a bench, uh, you know, you'll see where the bucks are using through there. And, you know, most hunters are going to set up, you know, on the, the pretty flat area, but, uh, you know, sometimes they may see the buck, but most of the time they never get a shot at him. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, uh, I, I, I get what you're saying. And, and I don't know, do, do you, um, do you ever hunt off the ground in some of those places or are you mostly in a tree stand? No, I'm mostly in a tree stand. Uh, I'm not, I'm not a very good ground hunter. And, and one reason is, is because, um, whenever I'm sitting there and I see a spot that, you know, on the next ridge, I got to go. I gotta go check it out if I'm on the ground. And if I'm up a tree, I'm I'm more likely to sit still. So okay. <laughs> uh, um, so the one other thing that we touched on slightly earlier, um, but didn't really highlight it was you know your your egress and, and you know your entrance and your exit going to the stands. You talk about coming in from the bottoms, and uh, kind of. You, is that the, you know, your kind of rule of thumb there? Is that situational or what, what does that kind of look like? Well, it's definitely going to be situational, but now, you know, most of, uh, most of the time I'm parking my truck uh, in a lower elevation that I'm hunting. So, you know, I'm almost always going uphill. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as, uh, getting in and out of a spot, you know, I always try to make sure, um, that, um, I'm not going through my deer on my way to where I'm hunting. And, uh, um, you know, I, I'm always trying to make sure that, you know, the wind is not blowing into the area that I'm expecting the deer to come from. And, and, 
you know, if I'm going through thick areas to get to where I'm hunting, you know, I try to keep those areas trimmed out. That way, whenever I'm going through there, I'm not touching anything, you know. Um, I'm real big on, uh, you know, scent control. Uh, it, to me, it is very important if you expect to hunt a spot, you know, more than one time, which in my opinion is very important here in the mountains to hunt more than a spot, you know, more than one time, but to get in and out without leaving any scent, you know, so if you can pull that off, then, uh, the other deer aren't going to know that you're hunting them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, uh, that makes sense. And, um, and as far as, was there any situations where you'd be coming from the top or is it more or less that your truck's never going to be parked up high? Uh, yeah, you know, sometimes, uh, like, uh, actually this year, that second buck that I, uh, killed, you know, we were camped up on top of the mountain and I was dropping down, you know, uh, to hunt this deer. So yeah, that was one time that, uh, uh, in particular that, you know, I was accessing the area from the top mm-hmm. and, uh, I was, you know, very careful about how I was coming into it. I was making sure that I was coming in you know, uh, from an angle that I did not expect him to be coming through, you know? So, and actually what he was, what he was doing is, um, um, see the North side uh, was, you know, it's pretty steep and, and it runs down into some, you know, more gently, uh, rolling topography. And there was really heavy feeding sign down in there. And the deer were actually bedding on the south side coming across the top and, uh, you know, uh, late in the evening and going down in, in that the area where they were feeding and then coming back up on top. And and that's something else that you might want to touch on, too, is, is uh, bucks, you know, in my opinion, during the rut, a lot of times bucks... Um, how they travel will be perpendicular to say how the does are traveling. And that's exactly what this buck was doing. It's just more efficient way for them to, to pick up a, you know, the scent of a a doe coming in and what have you. So. Okay. Yeah. Explain that a little bit when you're talking about them traveling perpendicular to the way the does are traveling. Can you think of a scenario? (laughs) Well, uh, well, I mean, that one, there's a good scenario. You know, you have trails coming from, uh, you know, the south side crossing the top and going down off the north side. And they were probably going, I don't know, four or 500 yards. And uh, a lot of times bucks will work back and forth perpendicular, you know, cutting across trails mm-hmm. versus going, you know, traveling with the does, you know, up and down the mountain. And uh, it's just a lot more efficient for those bucks to uh, uh, to pick up on a, a doe coming in estrus by doing that because, you know, uh, they're cutting across the trails and they're just going from trail to trail to trail, you know, out through there. Instead of, uh, you know, if they get on one trail and go from one end of it to the other, you know, they're, they're not really, they're still smelling the same deer um, versus, you know, if they're cutting across trails. Okay. if i explained that good enough no no you explained that really well i was i was uh yeah that i think you explained that really well and so with, yeah, with, uh, with some, some of those like uh um those setups that you know we've been talking about and you know talking about you know with the the rut them running perpendicular there and everything else are are mostly stand setups 
you know, for the rut or is this, you know, does it not really matter what time that you're hunting these areas? Well, it, it just depends, you know, if it's, uh, October, you know, uh, uh, you could actually set up, uh, like where I was uh, hunting this, uh, year that I killed that buck in that situation, you, you know, if you set up correctly, you could, you could hunt, um, both time periods, you know, during, uh, uh, October, uh, pre-rut and the rut, you know, uh, the, the way that I visualize it, you know, uh, and, and see bucks doing is, you know, say during October when they're, they're on more of a feeding pattern, you know, their, their patterns are going to be more in parallel with other deer. Once it starts getting closer to the, uh, uh rut, then they're going to start traveling more perpendicular to, um, the does. Um, did, did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, it, it did. Uh, so when you're saying, um, you know, as far as them running more parallel to them, you know, say in October on a, a bed to feed, they're more going up and down the mountain versus running, you know, around the, the sides of the, exactly. the okay. Okay. Yeah. And see whenever they're, if let, let's use the Eastern facing, uh, uh, slope, uh, that I was mentioned earlier about them betting on, you know, that works really good for them, you know, because whenever they get up from their bed, they're automatically, uh, headed West, which is the direction that, uh, the wind is coming from, you know, most of the time. Mm-hmm. And as they're going out through there, you know, that they got the wind in their favor and they're crossing trails, you know, that's coming off the mountain. And, uh, and if there's cover around through there, which most of the time there are, you know, just under the top. I mean, it, it's just, it's such a good situation for them because they can, you know, that they can, they can pick up, uh, um, any scent of a doe that's, you know, may have crossed the top of the mountain and, you know, running down a ridge and that uh, they got the cover to their advantage. They got the wind to their advantage. It's, um, it, it, it just creates a great scenario for them. Yeah. No, that, that, that you explained that really well and i'm i'm as i'm talking to you i'm looking at a map you know actually one of the you know diagrams that you have in the in the you know article that i'll then i'll post up here on the website but you know just looking at it and and picturing it and visualizing it in my head what you're saying and and then some back um you know the experiences i've had with um you know even this past year i was hunting a spot it was out on um the edge of this point and i was I was just down over the edge and up on top I'd found there were some acorns so they were actually bedding lower and then coming up onto the top to feed and those does were running straight up and over where the bucks that I saw which I didn't in this particular spot I didn't see any that were I saw one that was probably a three-year-old and the other ones were younger yet but they were running you know like you said, perpendicular to them, um, around on the side hill. And then they would, you know, they kind of veered up onto the top, you know, right as it was getting dark. So that's, that's interesting. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where, but you, you know, I, I just try to take advantage of those, you know, scenarios. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. That's yeah. That I've never heard it explained that way before. And I think that's a great way. And I'm able to visualize it there pretty easily. Yeah. And like you said, it's all, it's all situational, you know, taking, taking the information that you're, you're given there and everything and applying it to everyone's situation. That's unique, you know? 
Exactly. You know, um, I wish there there was a silver bullet uh, for every situation, but there's not. You know, it's 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 all situational. So, and well, it's sometimes it's really hard to describe those. If there was a silver bullet for it, then then it wouldn't be fun, or there wouldn't be any deer. So <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't know if you know every year I go into a hunting season. You know, in my head, I, I like to go in with a positive attitude, being confident, and every time they they humble you pretty quickly. <laughs> you know, what, whatever you think that you know, they will. you learn more. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Well, Nathan, is there anything else you can think of that uh, you wanted to, uh, you know, cover or leave any, you know, last-minute points here? Um. Gosh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the the biggest thing that I think that would help most people is just trying to think differently. You know, if if what you're doing year in year out, which most hunters do, and and they're not getting the re- the results that they want, you know, do something different. Um, I mean, that's the uh, definition of insanity. You know. Uh, doing the same thing over and over expecting different results, you know, and, um, and, you know, you've always heard that, uh, 10% uh, of the hunters kill 90% of the big deer. And, uh, and I believe that's, you know, really, you know, pretty accurate. And, and what separates those people from your average hunter has to be the way that they think. And, and, the decisions that they make, you know, whenever they're in the woods. And, um, so, uh, you know, that, that would be my biggest advice to anybody. Okay. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think that's, that's really good. And, and a good quote to kind of live by with just about anything, not getting what you want by doing the same thing, change it. Yep. Yep. And it applies to deer hunting as well. So, yep, for sure. Um, all right. Well, uh, Nathan, like I said, uh, I'll be posting your, your article up here on the website so everyone can head over to eastmeetswesthunt.com slash journal and find um, his article here that's very detailed, um, laying out a lot of the things that we talked about here um, with diagrams, with topo maps marked up. I mean, it's it's great. I, I, Nathan, I told you that before I was really, really enjoyed it. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's tough to talk about these things sometimes without visuals or, you know, anything there. And I think that this will be a good, you know, compliment to this episode here. So, you know, thank you for uh, coming on and talking with me. Yeah. I appreciate the invite. Yeah. And is there any, any other places that, uh, you have anything, um, you know, whether that's, uh, social media or any other uh, you know information out there that you want to point people in the direction of? No, I'm I'm pretty simple type of guy. Uh, you know, of course I have my Instagram and uh, that's it. So yeah. I keep a pretty low profile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do, but uh, you're you're yeah, you're extremely successful and I, and, and just you know, very intelligent when it comes to this stuff. So I appreciate you, you know, agreeing to come on and, and talk with me here. Yep. Appreciate you, buddy. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.